Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. My last day in Memphis. Uh, my brother-in-law surgery went well yesterday. Thank you all for your prayers. Uh, the number of you who reached out uh, say you were praying. Thank you very much. He is doing well and I am shuttling back and forth from a Memphis radio studio in their house to do supper and everything else. Luckily, they're an hour behind, so I was able to get everything going, uh, rush to the station, and then when I'm done here, i got to run to the airport, pick up my other sister and niece who have been in Disney World, and then take them up for supper. So, uh, busy day. Now, the big news of the day, and it is big news, it is the biggest news of the week. The Last Jedi is out. I have seen it. And I am not going to give you spoilers. You do not have to turn off the radio. I will tell you this, I like it. It is a good movie. It is a good movie. You know, if if you'll allow me to do this, please, there there is a method to my madness here, and just bear with me. When I was a kid, we grew up in Dubai. Uh, I was there for 10 years, uh, basically 5 to 15. And every three months, we would take a trip to a different country while our visas were being renewed. My dad's company would pay for it. I've still been to more countries than states. And we would come back, and when we got home, our our housekeeper, we called her a house girl, Anna, uh, she was from southern India, and she would have a big pot of chicken curry on the stove. Sometimes she'd make chicken curry and beef curry. There were always uh, beef and vegetable samosas as well. It was wonderful. And when I was older, I desperately wanted to recreate her chicken curry. And my mom had written down uh, the basics, and it just it didn't taste quite right to my mind. And so I spent uh, several years trying to perfect chicken curry to the best of my memory. And I'll never forget the day that I finally did it after compiling my mom's notes and a bunch of different recipes and techniques. And the secret, by the way, is you fry the, uh, you don't really fry, you saute the, the spices in hot oil. Uh, and then you build on top of that flavor. Uh, cinnamon sticks and the like, uh, bay leaves and all, you put in in the oil. And I'll never forget it. I'm, I'm in the kitchen and I'm just taking little bites. Because it had ingredients that I didn't like. Um, didn't like it all individually, but I'm like, well, this is in all the curry recipes. And I ate it as a kid and I liked it. So I've got to like these things together, even if I don't like them individually. And I'm sampling just on my tongue. And you know how when you're tasting something to see if it's really good, you taste in the different parts of your tongue because your different taste buds are in different places. And there were no false notes. And I literally, standing in my kitchen, a grown man in his late 30s cried over a curry. Not because it was hot, but because it was exactly as I remembered. Now, here's the full disclosure. That wasn't her recipe. That was my attempt to get her recipe, and it might not have been exactly the way it tasted as a kid, but it was exactly as I remembered it tasting, and those are different things. So when The Force Awakens came out, there were definitely on my tongue, there were false notes. There were. It wasn't Star Wars, but it was. There were enough true notes, there were enough deep, savory notes that it worked as a next welcome addition to the story of the Skywalker family. The Last Jedi is a very good curry. It is very good. It is a curry that you could serve on the menu of a restaurant. But it has too many false notes to be the next chapter. 
uh, it seems to resent wanting to be the next chapter of Star Wars. Uh, it seems to resent wanting to be the Empire Strikes Back to the New Hope, uh, or to, to The Force Awakens as the Empire Strikes Back was to A New Hope. It's a good movie. It is a good Star Wars movie. But it seems to resent its place in the trilogy. And the way it reacts to its place in the trilogy is to cut off plot points that have been building for the prior seven episodes and make it so the next movie can't even go anywhere with those plot points. It's deeply frustrating, but there, there's a bigger frustration to it. And again, it's a good movie. Go see it. But there's a bigger frustration. So again, no spoilers. But here is the my real deep frustration with The Last Jedi, and it's one they can't do anything about. And that's what makes it the most frustrating thing, is they eliminated the ability to expand so many stories that The Force Awakened promised would be expanded. The, the background information in a number of characters we were promised would come in this movie. It not only didn't come, but major characters were rendered inconsequential. But what we were promised by this movie is that Princess Leia is more significant than we ever imagined. And this movie promised it in a way that some people thought was very, very hokey. Uh, I thought was a brilliant reveal that she's more than she's what we all suspected. She is what we all suspected for so long. And we were promised at the end of this movie so much more revelation of that expectation in the next movie. And now we can never get it because she's dead. Carrie Fisher is dead. And it honestly, it makes me mad at Carrie Fisher because we know now she had a bunch of drugs in her system. She would, she was back on drugs and it just makes me so angry that someone that, that was so admired and, and is, was such a good person and it was, I mean, such a monumental, consequential part of my childhood would develop an addiction and it would lead her into the grave late in life. Yes, it was a massive heart attack she had, but uh, with massive amounts of drugs in her system. And it just, it makes me mad at her grieving for her at the same time because of we all knew what she was capable of as a person but as this character princess leia and now we're cut off from it i really think and i feel even more strongly after seeing the movie the way it concludes that they need to cast someone in her role and make a big deal about it and have her family and and mark hamill and 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 harrison ford and the like come out and say yes this must be done to satisfactorily conclude this character. This must be done. And we applaud them for doing it because they, they really should. There was, a, there was a lot to like about this movie. Uh, they, again, relied mostly on puppets instead of CGI. The few times they relied on CGI, it did feel a little flat. Uh, we encountered long, old-time friends within the series who haven't been seen in many, many decades who we thought were lost to history are back. We, I mean, it just, it was a good movie and it was a good Star Wars movie. The moment you see Lucasfilm on the screen and the music blares, your, your pulse quickens 
and you're excited. And it's a good movie with exciting parts to it. There are some odd, weird, lame parts they did not need. There's a whole sequence on a planet uh, that they didn't need any of that. It distracted from the movie. Um, the addition of a few very young actors distracted from the movie. But it was a good Star Wars movie. It, it, it felt like a Star Wars movie. It looked like a Star Wars movie. But it did not have the flavor of the curry or, or the favorite childhood dish on your tongue. It struck too many false notes to be that part in the trilogy, in, in the pantheon of the Star Wars Skywalker redemption arc. Um, it didn't fit, and that's what makes it so frustrating and disappointing. Uh, it's like Rian Johnson liked the prequel as much as he liked the original and tried to build off both, and that just failed disastrously. I dare say I uttered a heresy. When I left the theater, I uttered a heresy no Star Wars fan should ever utter, and I did. Maybe, just maybe, in the grand scheme of things, in their reconsideration of the project and their building of the project, maybe, just maybe, they actually should have listened to George Lucas's story. Now, answering your other questions about Star Wars before we move on, assuming I have any listeners left after that. Um, yes, I think you can take your family. I have no idea why this is a PG-13 movie. I really don't. Uh, yes, there's some violence. Um, it, it's not really graphic violence, though. It's not. Um, it, yes, there are some intense scenes for kids, but look, my nine-year-old, he just turned nine. He's still relatively a, a young kid. Uh, we don't let him watch scary movies or anything. Uh, one of his kids, friends in his third grade class got to see it. I have no idea why parents would do that to a child. He, he does not. He, he would have nightmares for the rest of his life. He would be screwed up for the rest of his life. I would let him see this movie. Uh, John Bachman, who used to be at WSB TV, is now down at our Jacksonville affiliate. He asked me if his daughters could go see it as youngest as seven. I think so. There are enough lighthearted moments in the movie. It works. I, frankly, I think they had too many jokesy, lighthearted scenes in this movie. Um, I wish they had gotten rid of all the jokes, the, the idiomatic expressions and real world 21st century America sayings that just don't fit. They seem really out of place. I wish they had gotten rid of in the scripting. Nonetheless, uh, I think it's entirely appropriate for kids. I have no, I'm assuming it's the violence in the movie that makes it um, PG-13, but I didn't think the violence was really that violent or that intense. Uh, there's the one uh, big fight scene, but I just, I, I don't see it. So um, I would definitely feel comfortable telling you, you can take your kids to see it. There's no nudity. There's no sex. There's no bad language that I remember. It's definitely family friendly and it's Star Wars. It is Star Wars. So anyway, uh, when we come back, I want to move on. The tax proposal, Marco Rubio making his big deal and he's getting attacked for it, but he won. I'll tell you what he won and what Bob Corker did when we come back. All right. If I have any audience left after the first half hour on Star Wars, let's get into the other news of the day now, shall we? Uh, in Washington, D.C., it appears the Republicans have their tax plan. I, I got to tell you, and again, like I mentioned yesterday, whether you agree with him or not is beside the point. Marco Rubio has come under a lot of attacks for holding up the tax reform package, saying he was going to vote against it unless lower middle class taxpayers were given better treatment under the child uh, tax credit plan. 
and the Republican leaders were opposed to it, and Rubio finally said, look, I'm going to vote against this thing if you don't give me what I want. And Bob Corker is already expected to vote against it, so the plan would rely on the vice president's vote, and it could die if Jeff Flake or Susan Collins or someone else doesn't like it. And a lot of people browbeat Rubio and said, uh, Rubio is, is, this is all an ego thing. It was, this man has been after this child tax credit issue since he's been in the Senate in 2010. He hasn't changed on this. He campaigned on this issue for president. It's not like this was a vanity ploy. This man really believes in it. And whether you agree with him or not, uh, the fact is he was willing to stand for principle and he got pilloried by the Wall Street Journal editorial board and other conservatives for holding up this plan, and he's won. He got what he wanted, and now they're attacking him for getting what he wanted because they're saying he didn't get all of what he wanted, therefore he was just doing this all for show. No, the the, the legislation moved in his direction. Now, what am I talking about here? It's the expanded child tax credit for lower-middle-income voters who pay taxes. They don't pay income taxes. They pay payroll taxes. So they pay their Social Security tax, their Medicaid tax, their Medi- Medicare, the, the like. They pay FICA. And those taxes are treated by the federal government as income taxes. They go to fund the general ledger of the United States. They don't go into a special trust anymore. They used to. They don't anymore. If They're treated as an IOU, and they're funding general revenue. And so Rubio's argument was if the federal government is going to treat payroll taxes like income taxes— then these people deserve a tax credit because it is their money already. It's not like we're giving them more than they've paid. And he's won. And I think it's ridiculous for people to attack him. Now, the way that they're doing this is they're phasing it out. So high-income earners will no longer get the child tax credit. Lower-income families will. And I think that winds up hurting me and the overall bill, and I'm okay with that. I don't necessarily need the federal child income tax credit. I, I, I make a good bit of money, and uh, my wife is able to stay home with our kids. But there are a lot of people who are having to pay daycare, and both parents work, and they're still lower middle income, largely because of the, the cost of child care and the like. And I think this is totally fair and reasonable for them to get. So what does the overall package look like? Well, the Republicans are going to lower the corporate tax rate, not to 20%, but to 21%. But in the alternative, they're getting rid of the the corporate alternative minimum tax. And that was something that was really problematic because essentially there there is an, an AMT, an alternative minimum tax, for both rich taxpayers who take a bunch of itemized deductions and for corporations. And if corporations take a bunch of itemized deductions, it throws them into an alternative minimum tax where they are still forced to pay taxes even though they have legitimate business deductions. And there are a lot of corporations who have to spend a lot of accounting, um, a lot of revenue on accounting to avoid the alternative minimum tax because it winds up being higher than the regular tax. And essentially, they're being punished for legitimate business expenses. Same with uh, individual rich taxpayers uh, with the the AMT. So they're getting rid of the corporate AMT. They should get rid of the the individual one. They're not. I get why. they got to be able to pass it under Senate reconciliation rules. Um, This is still a good idea. It should be done anyway. Uh, This plan uh, works out well for individuals. Every individual of every income spectrum now will get a tax cut under the original plan. If you were in the top tax bracket, you would get no tax cut. In fact, you might get a tax increase. Now everybody's going to get a tax decrease. Uh, The process 
has worked. And about that process, well, let me talk about that. Well, I got to correct myself. I didn't see this news earlier. I said Bob Corker may still vote against it. He's saying now he's going to vote against it. This is kind of odd. Uh, and it's largely odd because, you know, Marco Rubio said he was going to vote against it and they fixed it to meet his concerns. Um, they, they didn't give Bob Corker anything. He didn't ask for anything. He was just against it the first time and now suddenly he's for it, which is fine. Um, this will now pretty much ensure that it's going to pass unless Corker knows other people are going to block it and he's just trying to do this on his way at the door. I don't think that's the case. Um, sounds like he actually has had a change of heart on this plan. Uh, which means it's probably going to pass. And, you know, can we pause here for a minute and note something? Matt Lewis of the uh, CNN and the Daily Beast wrote something earlier worth pointing out. And that is that the Republicans this year have been able to get Neil Gorsuch on the bench, repeal the individual mandate in Obamacare, do tax reform, and clear a path for a bunch of federal appellate court judges and roll back significant business regulations like net neutrality. Oh, by the way, is your internet working today? Because the left said it wouldn't be, and yet it is. Um, it, they've been able to do this. And on paper, this looks like a really good, compelling agenda, but that's the problem. On paper, it does. Um, publicly, people are not persuaded by and large, and the president still continues to make so many people mad, it, it winds up undermining the Republican agenda. And he's going to have to figure out a way to neutralize that to some degree next year because of his unpopularity. There's polling out Jonah Goldberg pointed to earlier that at Fox News now, or I shouldn't say at Fox News, but among Fox News viewers who earlier this year had a 90% approval rating for the president, it's only about 55% approval rating for Fox News viewers now, um, which is a fairly significant drop there across the board. The president's popularity is starting to weigh down the party, and they're going to need to figure out a way to fix that in order to mitigate damage coming next year when parties holding the White House tend to have problems. Tax reform will be one way they mitigate it, and that's a good thing. It's good to see them be able to get together on this. I got an important announcement to make. Uh, to you guys, I put it up on Twitter earlier. I've got a month left, but after five years, it is time to move on from Fox. Uh, I've been a contributor there since 2013, and look, I'm they are very good people. Uh, no, this is nothing to do with sexual harassment or assault or anything like that. I saw some liberal speculate, oh, I wonder if he's being a kid. No, absolutely not. Um, but I'm not needed, um, and I, I don't feel useful. And so it makes sense for me to go. And, and I really, I would love to find a way to do a show that focuses on people who are very much in my boat, who they've always felt more or less aligned conservatively, but they don't know what the hell is happening to the Republican Party. And they realize the culture more and more hates them. So how do you navigate your kids through the culture wars without losing them to it? which is a huge concern among a lot of people of faith these days, and also what is going on and why in, in the news these days. And I, I, I less and less fit in as a person who is all Republican all the time versus all Democrat all the time, and that's what people expect for contributors, not just on Fox but everywhere else. <clears throat> and I am more marching to the beat of my own drummer these days. And I don't think I've changed. I've always been someone who's critical of the Republican Party and critical of the Democratic Party, but I, I've, I've never, I, even though I say nice things about the president and have praised parts of his agenda, I'm not really a core supporter of his. 
and it's just I'm I don't fit the box very well for a contributor. So it's it's time to move on. Now here's where the prayer request comes in is that's basically half my family income I'm giving up at the end of January, and I have no idea where I'm going to land on that. Uh, no idea where I'm going to next. So it is a huge point of stress over the holiday season right now. Um, but God has a plan. I trust in God. I am taking a leap of faith and praying very hard, uh, praying very hard and need to pray hard. And your prayers are appreciated, but it is, it's very much the right thing to do. Uh, I would love to do this other TV show. I don't know how to make it happen. Uh, I, I talked to Fox about it and, and they still want to talk to some degree about it, but I just, I don't see myself. I mean, I'm just not useful as a contributor there. So it's time. So anyway, uh, that's that's my personal news. When we come back, and I'm still there till the end of January. When we come back, there is other news of the day. The FBI investigation uh, overseas, what's happening in Sweden, isn't getting noticed. We need to talk about it. And there's still fallout on the Republican side of things. Is Paul Ryan going to retire? I'll tell you what I know when we come back. Welcome back, 9 after the hour. <clears throat> Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB, the nation's most listened to news talk station. Don't forget, you can text the word SHOW to 444-999 to both subscribe to the podcast and to subscribe to the daily email. I do want to tell you out of the gate today, we have invited, I think we've gotten all of the Republican candidates now locked in. Uh, to come uh, have live lounge sessions with me with live audience. And we're working on getting the Democrats um, to come. I would like to do them all. Um, I am actually very interested in the shape of things to come here and elsewhere with the Democratic Party, particularly in the age of Trump, and would love to discuss their agendas with the candidates. Um, We have invited them. Uh, What we're going to do to get people here for the live lounge is we're going to get uh, people who have participated in activist items and um, listen to the podcast, subscribe to the podcast. We're giving them a preference. And the way that you do this is you subscribe to the podcast and just listen to the podcast. At the opening of the podcast, I'll tell you how you can get uh, priority RSVP seating to come to uh, the live lounge and hear the gubernatorial candidates. Uh, so text the word SHOW to 444-999 and just start subscribing to the podcast. Listen, it'll be there. I want to talk about Paul Ryan real quick because he's in the news as to whether or not he will retire. I have not talked to him in a while. We talk occasionally. He is a very nice guy. We don't always agree on things. Uh, but he's a good guy, and his heart is in the right place, even if you or I may disagree with him. He's a very likable person. Um, one of the people in Washington who I have known for a while who is not enamored with being in Washington, and he hasn't been for a while. He's just a, a regular guy who is in a, an extraordinary situation now, second in line to be president of the United States. And he is deeply frustrated. He's in a no-win situation. It's not a fun job for him. His family is in Wisconsin. His kids are growing up. And he would far rather be there with them, hunting and fishing, than in Washington, D.C., having to balance uh, the Republicans, the, the conservatives, the moderate Republicans, the liberal Republicans, dealing with the Democrats, dealing with the president, dealing with the Senate. He's just... He, he's not in a job situation that he's happy with these days. So he has been thinking for a while about stepping aside. It looks like there is going to be a Democratic wave. It looks like the Democrats are going to take back the House. 
And so he's already thinking about um, moving on. He, he doesn't want to be the leader of the Republican Party. Uh, he never wanted to be speaker, really. They pushed him into the job, and, and he took it. And if he's not going to be speaker, he never wanted to be the, the minority leader in the House. So why stay? Uh, can't say I blame him. And again, I haven't talked to him directly about this. We have talked in the past about his job and his view of it. Everything I'm telling you is consistent with that. Um, but I, I know plenty of people who have talked to him, and these are not idle rumors circulating Capitol Hill among reporters. These are This, this relays his thinking. Uh, he's he's kind of tired of it. He was ready to step aside, honestly, uh, a while back. He, he didn't feel like he was doing any good as, as chairman of, of the tax committee, and so he might as well go, and, and the speakership happened, so he stayed, but... He's kind of ready to go now if he's if this is coming as it looks like it's coming. And y'all, listen, I, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. This is the reality that the party that controls the White House typically has uh, midterms go against them. Uh, slightly in the first term and worse in the second term of a president. Uh, but we are dealing with a president right now who is historically unpopular and growing unpopular among his own base. And so that's a problem. People can see where this thing is headed. Democratic enthusiasm is off the charts. And it's going to be low turnout of Republicans because they don't have their man on the ballot to stand by. And Democrats are going to go try to, they think they're going to impeach him. That impeachment's not going to happen. And I think having Democrats in charge of the House, frankly, ensures Donald Trump's reelection in 2020, uh, at least with the current landscape. But that's where we are. So let's be real about it. And Paul Ryan is. Now, there's another story floating out there that I want to approach. Um, This is Jared Kushner is looking to hire a crisis communications team, crisis management team. I have some information. I I don't, I kind of hinted at it, mentioned it uh, loosely here on the show. I haven't really written about it, uh, but one of my friends who has been, in and around the White House, dealing with the Mueller investigation, had a conversation with me a while back, and for the longest time, I, I couldn't say anything. And then he said it was okay to, to say bits and pieces of it, one of the things that Mueller has apparently been looking at. So uh, let me let me explain this to you, where this may be headed, and why Kushner is hiring crisis communications management. Um, You are probably all familiar with the troll army, they called it, on social media supporting President Trump. Back in—oh, when was it? Um, Remember the San Bernardino shooting, uh, whatever year that was when Barack Obama was president? There was a Twitter account, and that Twitter account said the— gave the name breaking news of the person who I really this is this is really weird just bear with me here so it was a twitter account of a housewife in southern california who said she was listening to the police radio they gave the name of the shooter over the radio here's what it was and then another twitter account that was a reporter followed by people in the mainstream media retweeted it And it kind of blew up for a while, and it turned out it wasn't true. Not only wasn't it true, but the name that was given was the nickname of the Turkish president. Now, that mattered because this was the shooting, if you will recall, was shortly after the Turks had shot down a Russian Air Force jet. 
And so here's an account of someone purporting to be a housewife in Southern California who retweets, the says the police scanners are saying this is the name of the guy. It turns out it's the nickname of the Turkish president. Uh, it's retweeted by a account journalist follow, and it got buzzed there for a little while. Well, it turns out um, that both the account that the reporters followed, it was a, it was a journalist account, uh, and the account of the, of the housewife were bots. Uh, they weren't real people. Uh, they had worked to present themselves as real. There were pictures of family and friends and, and engages in real life, uh, engagements in real life and whatnot. And, but they, were, they weren't real. They were Russian bots uh, controlled by a warehouse in, in St. Petersburg, Russia. Well, fast forward several years, that, that, that account went dormant. It was still, just still there, it hadn't been deleted, but it was dormant. And in 2015, late 2015, it suddenly, this is the housewife account, it began um, being all about Donald Trump. It, it completely supportive of Donald Trump. And the journalistic account started being supportive of, of Trump, pushing pro-Trump stories in the media. That account went dead. The other account remained for a while, and then it too went dead, but others cropped up. And a lot of people worked their way back in time on many of these accounts, and they were accounts that had been started in 2007, 2008, 2009, and then over time disappeared, uh, were inert, inactive, and then came to life again, supporting Donald Trump. And people were wondering what was going on. And I had it happen to me after I uninvited the president, for example, from the Red State Gathering in 2015, a lot of these bots coming after me and filling up my timeline, making Twitter unusable and started harassing other people. And they would harass people trying to get them to shut up, but they would also push stories that weren't true, either favorable to the president or unfavorable towards his opponents. And the crazy thing about it is most of them were very active when it was daytime in Moscow. It was eventually all exposed that these were uh, this was a, a Twitter bot army. Uh, we now know that it existed. We now know that it was the Russians. We now know that um, they had been doing this for a while. Uh, the question, though, was why and were, was there coordination? And someone at the White House, again, this is a White House source telling me this, familiar with the Mueller investigation. One of the things the Mueller investigation has been looking into is, did Jared Kushner pay an outside firm to set up this Twitter bot army to amplify the president's support and make it seem like he had larger support on social media than he did at the time? Now, his support on and of, organically has grown, legitimate support has grown, but at the time... Did Jared Kushner pay to make this happen? And here's the problem. It's not illegal if Jared Kushner paid to make this happen. That is not illegal. He can pay for a social media army. He is allowed to do that. He can pay for one that's run out of Moscow. He is allowed to do that. But it never appeared on financial disclosure forms. It never appeared on expenditure reports. And if it never appeared on expenditure reports... Well, then that is illegal. So if he paid to do this and he didn't report it, that's a problem. And that is what I'm told is one of the things Mueller's team looked at. Now, this may be, Jared Kushner hiring crisis management team may be unrelated to that. The Mueller allegations may be unrelated to that. But, I mean, it's been oh, probably four or five months ago now. Uh, this was mentioned to me by someone in the White House uh, as a concern.
And if that's what this is, uh, this seems to be where we're headed here as we wrap up the Mueller investigation, which does appear to be wrapping up. Now, I have run long in the last segment trying to explain the web of Russia trolls and Jared Kushner and what the investigation may be like. I, I it, Reach out to me on Twitter. I'll try to explain it if you've got any more confusion on it. Um, but it is all they've been looking at him on this Russia troll army. And did he pay to get that army going, that social media bot? Um, and if he did, uh, it wasn't disclosed, and that's a problem. So there you have it. When we come back, uh, Gavin Newsom is the lieutenant governor of California. He was the mayor of San Francisco, married to Kimberly Guilfoyle, um, very big liberal, and he wants to come for your guns. And he's doing, believe it or not, a Christmas ad on gun control. No, I'm not making that up. Uh, you can't make something up like that. Who does that? Well, Gavin Newsom does it in California. I've got the audio of this ad. We need to play it and laugh at it together uh, when I come back. So that's what we will do before moving on to other stories. Okay, y'all, I got to play this for you. Uh, so Gavin Newsom is the lieutenant governor of California. Jerry Brown, the governor of California, not running again. Newsom now has a gun control ad. He's making gun control. I'm California Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom. Today, the only thing more predictable than the next mass shooting is the moral cowardice of elected officials who will ignore it. They hide behind thoughts and prayers and plug their ears with NRA hush money while always claiming it's too soon to take real action. (gasps) Meanwhile, Americans wonder if they'll ever be safe at a church or a school or a concert again. Californians are saying enough. In a state with nearly twice as many firearm dealers as there are McDonald's, we passed Proposition 63. Starting in January, we'll begin forcing convicted violent felons to give up their firearms. So if you're a dangerous criminal, we really are coming for your guns. But state laws alone cannot solve America's gun violence. We still need federal action. So this holiday season, let's demand the GOP Congress stop praying for gun lobby donations and start taking real action to save lives. Yes, this holiday season, let's talk about guns. So he put this up. um, This is the five years since the Sandy Hook shooting. And he chronicles the 14 in San Bernardino, the 49 in Orlando, the 58 in, in Vegas, the 26 in Texas who were killed and says, we have a message for the National Rifle Association. If you hurt people, we are coming for your guns. Except none of the shooters were NRA members. And in the Texas shooting, it was an NRA-trained instructor who stopped the shooter. Also, it is already against the law for convicted violent felons uh, to own guns. And in Texas, it was against the law for that guy to have bought a gun, but it was a bureaucratic paperwork screw-up that caused the problem. Uh, this dude is is fact-checking, cherry-picking. Um, it's, it's what happens. And they're just, he's not telling the truth. And this is why we're not going to get any sort of gun control in Congress right now. Because these guys aren't telling the truth, because these guys uh, continue to make up acts. You know, there actually, there probably could be some reasonable compromise legislation coming out of Congress, like the bump stock ban. But nobody trusts the other side. 
and in particular, Republicans, conservatives, and Second Amendment advocates do not trust Democrats to say, we'll make a reasonable compromise and move on. What they will do is they will say, well, you've made a compromise on the bump stock, so now let's move on to magazines and, and uh, limiting the number of rounds. Well, now you've done that. Let's let's limit the the rate at which semi-automatic weapons can fire. Well, now you've done that. Let's let's limit and limit and limit and limit and limit. And pretty soon, you've given up your Second Amendment right through a series of small compromises that one by one seemed reasonable, uh, but over time uh, seemed burdensome to the Second Amendment. The Democrats won't stop at a bump stock ban. They won't stop at reasonable compromises because they want to take your guns. And at least it's useful here that Gavin Newsom himself is is willing to admit that they want to come for our guns. And they can't. Well, they can't because of the Supreme Court issue, but I I do wonder uh, the way things are headed in Washington with the Senate, Anthony Kennedy not going anywhere, uh, are the Republicans going to watch as they lose the, the Supreme Court, their conservative majority of the court? It looks more and more likely, and already, I mean, Roberts drifts left on occasion. Kennedy has moved rather left on on a number of issues. We'll see what happens with the Christian Baker in Colorado, but it's not going to be good news, it seems, over time with the Supreme Court, um, and less Kennedy decides to retire. Hey, is your internet still working? I know I mentioned this some in the first hour, but is your internet still working? Um, I was able to play that Gavin Newsom audio on my internet. It was still working. Uh, I could still connect to Facebook without paying a thousand dollars a second uh, to do so. And the left told us yesterday that would all stop happening if net neutrality was repealed. Funny how that works, isn't it? Uh, the hyperbole. Oh my goodness gracious. Um, I, I, one, one quick note here. Um, Benny Johnson at the Daily Caller put up a video with Ajit Pai, the chairman of the FCC, and Google took it off YouTube. On the day Google was complaining that people were going to be denied access to Internet content if net neutrality was repealed, Google denied access to Internet content. They were claiming some sort of copyright infringement claim or, or some such nonsense. Uh, they have since restored the video after public outrage. Um, but it does show you that one of Agent Pai's concerns with information technology is that everybody's focused on the Comcast, the Cox Communications, the Charter Communications, um, the AT&Ts and Verizons of the world. Uh, but Google and Facebook and the like, they also deal with Internet content, and they need to be treated in the same way as the Internet service providers because uh, they are information providers. And the way the regulations were shaped um, under the Obama administration, it would basically treat the Internet service providers completely differently from groups like Google, which, by the way, has an Internet service providing company. I mean, they're, they're broadband Internet. In the Atlanta area, they're bringing it elsewhere. So... Again, uh, all of the hyperbole and hysteria of the left yesterday, it never actually panned out, and it's not going to because they were completely overselling it. The reason they were resorting to hysteria is because they didn't have a leg to stand on. Uh, 51% of anti-Semitic attacks in Sweden have been done by Muslim extremists. Only 5% were carried out by right-wing extremists, 25% perpetuated by left-wing extremists. That's from an op-ed in the New York Times of anti-Jewish violence, anti-Semitic violence 
in Sweden is on the rise and people have been warning them about it. And Sweden tries to persuade or, or portray itself as a nice liberal utopia when that's not really true anymore. And it is Jews in particular who are being hard hit by this. There literally are places in Sweden where you cannot go as a white person or a Jewish person and be safe anymore. And the left denies it. They scream racism when you point it out. Uh, Sweden denies it. The Swedish ministers deny it. But it's the truth. And word is now starting to circulate after this dramatic firebombing of a synagogue this past week. People are finally starting to talk about it. And it is about time. Uh, just pay attention to the story. There's an op-ed in the New York Times on it. There's also a great story in the political on Jamie Dupree. I hope you'll check it out. It's on my Twitter feed and at theresurgent.com. As always, you can text the word show to 444-999 to get the daily email, and the Jamie Dupree story will be in tomorrow's email. Um, you guys have a great weekend. i got to go finish cooking supper at my sister's and go pick up my other sister and my niece from the airport. Busy weekend for me. I'll be back in studio in Atlanta on Monday. Uh, you guys have a great weekend.